It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always with Johnston for this big fight reaction show to the weekend's action. Ryan Garcia beats Javier Fortuna with a six-round stoppage. I'm looking forward to talking about this, Johnston, because there's a lot of speculation about where Garcia goes next, and that'll be one of the main focal points of topic for us today. But also the Frank Warren card, which had Hamza Shiraz getting a great victory. Mark Heffron picking up the British Commonwealth and IBF intercontinental titles as well in a show-stealing performance on Saturday night. So we've got a little bit to dissect with this big fight reaction we didn't really do much of a preview we did a little bit of a ranting episode which i've got to add johnston people really enjoyed it like people actually messaged <laughs> the page and messaged us and said like you know really enjoyed just having a rant about a few of these things in boxing and i think sometimes it's nice to sort of step away from the structure of what we do for the fight shows and just literally free flow with it all and, and actually just say what we really, really feel. Like, it's not like we don't anyway, but, I mean, like, just going really sort of, like, into it and having that conversation and, and sort of really being passionate about how you feel about stuff, especially this sort of Ben Newbank issue. Uh, there was one guy on Instagram, I don't know if any of you guys listening have seen that, I posted the little clip of me talking about it and one guy just sort of said... Uh, something like you're boring mate or something like something along them lines about I'm boring and um, it's entertainment and I just I just put a few laughing emojis back to the guy and I'm just like listen I felt like saying to him you're just a casual mate clearly like you don't understand there's weight classes for a reason with uh, with, with this particular fight but we'll come to that later Johnston Garcia's performance against Fortune a great performance great victory for him looks like he's staying at 140 surprised by that decision yeah, yeah, I am actually. Um, 
but maybe he feels that this is the best way for him. So you know that's you know that's that's fine. If if that's what he feels, then then good on him. But um, I mean, look, it was it was expected, wasn't it? We didn't expect Garcia to not lose this fight, and he pretty much demonstrated that. Um, it was it was a comfortable and an easy victory for him. Um, so yeah, there wasn't really much to take from what we don't already know about Garcia that he's going to fight. If he fights these level fighters, he's going to beat him. He's going to beat him quite convincingly. I think the one thing I did, I do have to mention though, which I found more entertaining about it, was that there was a little cameo from Michael B. Jordan. He actually interrupted the Ryan Garcia and Fortuna fight card to shoot scenes for Creed Three, where the crowds were like in getting involved, all their cheering, etc., for the latest Rocky movie franchise. So I thought that was quite, <laughs> that was more interesting than the fight, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen the video on Twitter of a fan, a fan video of them being in this crowd, and he's trying to get him to do like a. It's trying to boo, isn't he? And he's trying to get him to do like yeah. crowd crowd reactions. Obviously, filming it for the for the upcoming <laughs> film. And like when he's trying to get people to boo, people just weren't booing. And I was just like, I was like, this is real. <laughs> this is like really awkward. Like I don't think people are really interested in that 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 film. To be honest with you, I know Sylvester Stallone's having no part of it, is it? Of, of Creed Three. So I think that's kind of maybe why people are not feeling like it's, you know, legit extension of the Rocky franchise, maybe because Stallone's not involved. I know there was a few issues, you know, between why he was not involved. Again, another conversation for another day. Uh, back yeah, to the yeah. back to the uh, the, the fight <laughs> at hand, uh, Garcia Fortuna. Uh, he just, he made light work of him, didn't he? Like, he had him down in rounds four, five, and six, and then obviously he was counted out, and he just made it look so, so easy. And I'm... Don't get me wrong, Fortuna's not a waste of space as a fighter. He's a good fighter, Fortuna. Like, I just feel like, you know, at this point of his career, you know, he's coming up against a guy who has got all this speed, uh, accuracy, combination, punching when it's on point. It's really on point. And, and it was for that fight. I mean, you look at Fortuna's record and the losses that he's got are the likes of Robert Easter Jr. and, and Joseph Diaz on his record. So they're not like, it's not like he's lost to like, shit names you know these are decent good names champions former world champions in in the midst here so this was essentially a good way for Garcia to test the water at 140 because when we did our sort of half-assed preview of the weekend last week when we was ranting about other things like we've mentioned what you know he's fighting at 140 and I wasn't sure why that decision was made and now it's quite clear that he wants to do that but that doesn't really take any of these big fights out of the window because, you know, he's talking about whipping Tank's ass and Tank easily makes 140 no problem. And I feel like that is a fight that needs to happen now for both of these fighters. I think Garcia needs it to prove to people that he is legit and he can beat another legit fighter in Tank. And Tank needs it because he just needs another name on his record and he needs to continue to solidify where he's at in his career. So it's a... It's a great fight for the pair of them, and it is a fight I'd like to see next in the super lightweight division. That's what a lot of outlets are putting on social media today as we record it. They're saying, who's next for Ryan Garcia? Well, ideally, Tank. But if you're looking at anybody else, would there be anyone else you could suggest he could fight in the super lightweight division? Well, I mean, you've got um, Ramirez, the Peter, they're supposed to be fighting uh, for the for one of the vacant titles that Josh has vacated. Uh, I, can't, I think it's the WBC. Um, so that's 
getting uh, I don't know if it's actually been done or it's, it's looking like it's very likely to happen uh, Jack Catrell obviously and Taylor whether that's going to happen or not we're still not too sure I think Sander Martin's one to look out for the Spanish fella I think he's a bit of a dark horse in this division uh, obviously still got Pro Grey as well so Ryan will be probably looking at those type of names and then obviously Tank Davis if, if he does decide to fight him at 140 which you know if, if Garcia and Davis do move into this division, I think it, it adds more to it. Uh, there's some, already some decent names. We don't know what's happening with Josh. Is he going up? Is he not? Is he going to fight Catterall? So, um, and then obviously Ramirez, a Peter fight. That's a decent fight. I like them both. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I think it's an interesting division. I suppose the other thing to mention is Arnold, just jumping away from Garcia, from his Arnold Barboza. He, uh, he's another name. We'll discuss him in a little while, uh, very briefly. But um, he, he's a guy that's, you know, he, he's had 27 fights now. Um, that could be a decent fight for Garcia as well. So it'd be interesting to see if he wants to stay in this division. He said he wants to, then great. There's names out there for him. There's not as many big names as we as there were in the light, lightweight division because I do feel that that is more of a stacked division. I think there would have been bigger fights. But if he's going to fight Tank, Tank can make 140. Maybe he's trying to use that as benefit, but I actually think that hinders him, to be quite honest with you. Well, I'm going to look forward to seeing how it pans out. I think the one point you've made there is like, there is still enough talent in the super lightweight division for Garcia to have some really, really good fights. And I think Barbosa Jr. is one of them. As you mentioned, he'll talk about his recent fight over the weekend later on. But you look at, obviously, Sepeda, you look at Pagrai, Sander Martin, Jack Catterall, uh, obviously Ramirez fighting Sepeda, and then Josh Taylor, who's saying he's given up his WBC belt to fight Jack Catterall. So, effectively, that maybe puts Taylor Catterall out of the picture, Ramirez Sepeda out of the picture. So, the other logical fight that I wouldn't mind... Yeah, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth, like Meatloaf (laughs) once said. Do you know, this uh, this is certainly a fight that I'd like to see. And I think it was mentioned by a few media outlets over the weekend as being a really good fight because Progre is at this point of his career as well. He's in a little bit of no man's land at the moment, Progre, because he's he's come back and he's had a, a good win over Ivan Redcatch and then that sort of meaningless fight against Tyrone McKenna in Dubai earlier this year. And I feel like his career's progress has been completely hindered. And I think a fight with Garcia would be money. It would be a money fight because these two have got... They trash talk, don't they? The pair of them will trash talk each other. And it would make for a good build-up. And it would make for a really good fight as well. And if if Garcia was to able to beat Pagrai, I think that would be a huge statement for him. I think it really would. I think that would show that, you know, Garcia is legit. I'm not saying he isn't. I think he is legit. I think he just, at times, it sometimes feels like he's swerving, ducking, maybe. Yep. And I think that's that's the interpretation that I get from him at times. And I know he's had some issues outside of the ring. And he's a young lad. He's a very young lad at this stage of his career where I think he, he needs some of the right guidance rather than the wrong people whispering in his ear and I think if he could get a fight with Pagrai and beat Pagrai I think that puts him right up there then in that division and you know if Catterall Taylor happens and then Taylor moves up no matter what happens in that fight it leaves a big gap in the division then doesn't it you know you're yeah. looking at then potentially Catterall Ramirez Pagrai and Sander Martin and Barboza Jr as like the the big fighters of the division I mean obviously you've got Gary Russell's brother in there Gary Antoine Russell is, is is in there isn't he as well so you know you if you look at 
him as a potential opponent. You can't rule him out either. He's got a big fight coming up with Rantis Balfelmi as well. So, you know, there's a lot of potential fights here for Ryan Garcia. But I think the one that we both agree that we'd like to see is Regis Pagrai. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that would be a good fight. And I, you know what? If Garcia could beat Pagrai, that would be a massive statement, as you just said. Pagrai is a is is a talent, and it's it's, in, it's irritating because actually he probably should have been given the chance to be fighting uh, Ramirez, I believe, uh, for that vacant title. I'm I'm quite sort of a bit shocked by the fact that he was overlooked and. And you got Ramirez Zapida. No disrespect, Zapida's another good fighter in this division. I, I enjoy watching him, but I think Progray's above him. I think he deserved that shot for the vacant title considering how far and how close that Josh Taylor fight was. And I mean, it's interesting to see how Jack Catterall now sort of is many people's main man in this division now because of, even though Taylor won the fight, people are sort of dropping Taylor down and having Catterall further up in the table than he is, if you like. It's, it's a weird way how people have seen that fight and, and how people now look at Catterall, even though, you know, it, it's a defeat for him. He's come out of it as the winner. Um, so, yeah, there's, look, this, as soon as Taylor does decide, you know, whether he fights Catterall again and then there's obviously all these titles available, there's going to be loads of vacant fights. And so, therefore, all these guys are going to be scrapping for the titles without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be interesting to see where yeah. the landscape of that division goes. I am interested to see where it yeah. goes because there's a lot of great fights potentially out there. And obviously, if Tank moves up as well, then you know, that certainly puts uh, another element to how fights could go in that division. I think Taylor definitely yeah. moves up after Catterall. If that fight with Catterall, which looks like it's seemingly oh, going yeah. to happen, then I think he moves up after that 100%. We've agreed on that. Yeah. So then... Maybe with Tank moving up, it could lead to some some really good fights in the division. Overall, then, just going back to his performance, Garcia's performance, I felt like he made it look very easy. I felt like he was uh, class above Javier Fortuna. And I just feel like people look at that fight and go, do you know what, this is too easy for him. This was way too easy for him. But as I said earlier on, Javier Fortuna isn't a waste of space fighter. He is a very good fighter. He just comes up short against the best, which then leads you to think that maybe Ryan Garcia is going to be one of the best. I think I think he will. I think he will. But he's got to prove it, and he's got to have them big fights. Uh, just as a side note, completely aside from the actual fight itself, did you see the state of Oscar De La Hoya this weekend? Did you see Oscar De La Hoya <laughs> speaking to... Ryan Garcia. If you've not seen it, then go back and go back and watch it because, and I say this to everybody listening as well, he's literally his eyes are dead wide open. You can tell he's on the Colombian marching powder. Either that, <laughs> or he was really overexcited. But his eyes are literally popping out of his head as he's talking to Ryan Garcia. And a lot of people have, have threw the memes around over the weekend, which I thought were quite funny. But also, then I also felt quite sad because, you know, De La Hoya is someone we've done a career profile on. We've done a really good deep dive into his career and the background and everything he's gone through as a fighter. And it's like to see him at this stage of his life just sort of clearly struggling in general, you know, it is quite sad to see. I might laugh at the fact his eyes are popping out of his head. It just reminds me of obviously Calais Sauerland with his sort of weird things that he does where he looks like he's on drugs as well. But in a way, it's kind of sad to see because it just looks like he's not getting the help he needs because it looks like he's just constantly on drugs every time I see him, which is really sad. He needs to put them packets away, doesn't he? Um, yeah, not good for him. Um, 
I mean, if that is the case, I mean, sometimes it's clearly evident. I mean, I've not seen it, but I, I know exactly what you mean. So, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, look, end of the day, it is sad. Um, but, you know, one thing I, I've learned in life is that you're never too far away from it, to be honest, especially when you go out to boxing. Jesus, you don't need to go too far when you're at a football match to see it hanging around and floating around in the toilets. But look, it's for another story. But yeah, poor Oscar needs to sort himself out, doesn't he? I wonder if he any stockings on underneath them trousers at all as well. Because <laughs> secret high heels, maybe. <laughs> I just every time I can't help it. <laughs> He's absolutely destroyed his legacy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think that's. I think that's an image oh, that uh, that'll be forever ingrained <laughs> in a. Never in left a bo- me. It's, it's ingrained in a boxing fan's mind. I don't think we'll ever forget that that particular image. Hey, could, do you know what? He could go over to Benidorm and earn a load of money, you know, doing a little bit of the old drag queen act. And they're, they're good, they're good dough over there. Yeah, he'd definitely make a good showgirl in Vegas, put it that way. Hey, he's a handsome fella, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly yeah, is. He won't, for, he, he won't be for too long, to be fair, <laughs> if he keeps battering the gear. <laughs> oh, well completely aside from the tangents that we're going on in this episode we'll move back to the uk and we'll talk about the copper box arena in london talk about the frank warren show and talk about first of all mark heffron's redemption fight against lennox clark you know it was a good fight yeah it's a good fight mark heffron like i've always not i won't say i've been critical of him but i've always felt like he's I knew he was at a level, a certain level, and I've always felt like he'll never get past that level. That level was always British title level, obviously with him being a former British middleweight champion. And I feel like he's never going to get past that. But in this fight against Lennox Clark, he's shown that under the tutelage of Joe Gallagher, who he's with now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's like he has refined a little bit of what he's already got. It's like Joe's not trying to change his style as such, but it's like he's worked on the strengths that Heffron has as a fighter and and used his sort of offense as defense as opposed to, you know, trying to box a certain way. Now, obviously, Lennox Clark got stopped in this fight and it was probably prematurely, from the general consensus, people feel it could have gone on a bit longer. However, in the aftermath of this fight happening, 
someone from Lennox's team I seen posted on social media and said, yeah, the stoppage was a little bit premature. However, nobody knows what he was going through in the lead up to this fight and the injuries that he sustained in the lead up to this fight. So straight away, when you read when you read that, you think he was obviously really struggling in the lead up to the fight. Didn't want to cancel the fight. Didn't want to pull out of the fight, which sometimes is. You know, he's a bad thing, but sometimes you can't help but not pull out of the fight. And he's took the fight and he's tried and, you know, he's come up short against Mark. Don't take anything away from Mark. I thought it was a great performance. I thought that was that was the best I'd seen him for quite a while. Yeah, it was. Um, and as you say, I mean, he was overcome when he was at the end. He was in tears, bless him. Uh, but it was a good fight. I mean, Lennox Clark didn't look right. He didn't. He looked sluggish in there for me. He looked really slow and hair from fought really well and I was really pleased with his performance and as you say I mean Lennox he looked hurt he actually hurt Hefron as well at one point in that fight and Hefron did well to sort himself out and um, come back and then get the stoppage as you say yeah it probably was a bit premature to be fair but um, he was taking an awful lot of shots that he didn't need to take and you know look Hannah who knows how this fight would have gone on a little bit further on if he had kept it going I think Hefron was on his way to a stoppage victory in a way, or his corner, Leon Clark's corner, Lennox Clark, sorry, corner's going to pull him out. Um, I mean, one thing, I, fair enough, look, some fighters have problems going into fights. I understand that. But you got to think, this fight happened on Saturday night, where what, so what, 24, 48 hours after, and you've already got Lennox Clark, someone a part of their, sort of his side, sort of mentioning the problems he had going into the fight. And I think that's not, I don't like that. I mean, give it a bit of time, you know, come out with it in your next fight and then say, do you know what? Um, I have problems against Hefron. Then people will respect that because all it does is overshadow what Hefron's done. Now people will turn around and go, uh, Hefron only won that fight because of what Clark did. I don't, it sort of, it takes the win away from that fighter. And I don't like that. I don't like that from any fighter or anyone within their teams. If you've had problems, fine. Keep it to yourself. Maybe wait until your next fight to mention it. I think it's too quick to come out and say that because I think everyone, I mean, you could see how happy he was with that, with that win. He's, he's like over, overwhelmed with emotion. So that's how much it meant to him. So don't discredit. Let him enjoy that win for a moment. And, um, and then you can come out and say what you want to say after. But for me, I don't like that, Sean. Well, there you go. Run of the week straight away for you there. No, you know what, Johnson? <laughs> I get it. I understand why. It overshadows it, doesn't it? I understand why you're passionate about it. I, I get it. Like, I suppose if like, you come out months down the line and say something, then that's fair enough. Say you're in another fight and you're in the build-up to that fight and you're being interviewed about, you know, how the last fight went and then you, you know, you're looking back in hindsight and you're talking about it. That's fair enough. But in the immediate aftermath of of losing, someone in the team has basically turned around and said he had all these injuries and he's a warrior and all this. That's fine. That's fine. I've I've got nothing but respect for them admitting that there was problems in camp. Just pick and choose your times when you're going to do it because it does, like you say, yeah, too soon. It overshadows what Mark's done. It makes you look like Mark wasn't wasn't as good as what he exactly. was. And also, if you get beat, you got to learn how to take your medicine as a fighter as well. Sometimes you've got to take the rough or the smooth. He's been beaten. He's got to take the, the batter and he's going to get on social media. Unfortunately, either accept it and if you want to read it, read it, whatever you want to do, or come off it. You don't need it. It's, it's irrelevant for you. It's good for your promotional side, but don't read into the bullshit. You know, deep down, you wasn't quite ready. Fine. You don't need to share it with everybody to try and... It's almost like an excuse. I don't like that. It's not... I know it hasn't come from Lennox himself, but I would have had a word with my guy and said to him, don't be doing that that early, because, you know, you've got to show a bit of respect to the guy that won. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Well, Hamza Sheraz, then. Let's talk about Hamza getting... A great victory coming through some adversity 
being put down once in the third, then putting Torres down twice in the third, and then once in the fifth prior to that stoppage. Hamza Sheraz is someone who a lot of boxing fans and a lot of people that are working for YouTube channels are really waving raving about waving raving about they're raving about him they're saying that you know he's he's like you know the new british middleweight star and I, you know i can understand why the british middleweight domestic scenes pretty rocking at the moment but he has had a good comeback since his controversial victory over bradley skeet where you know he was being completely outboxed and there was obviously the issue in the Bradley Skeet fight of him should have been disqualified. A lot of people felt that it should have been a disqualification and it wasn't. And obviously Bradley Skeet retired after that, after putting on one of his career best performances against Hamza Sheraz. Do you think now, looking back in hindsight, even though it wasn't the right thing to happen at the time, as in I think Sheraz probably should have been disqualified, do you think that's really taught him as a fighter and his team an absolute valuable lesson because they've come back now and they've got this vacant WBC silver middleweight title beating Francisco Torres who was a a really pretty decent guy actually I was surprised by how decent he was in there against him do you think now he's learned a huge valuable lesson because he got away with that in my opinion he got away with that moment and he looks like he's learned from it and he's going to take that moving forward now and apply that to his career, learning that lesson. Because the only other fighters around in that division now where you can honestly say Hamza would have some good fights with would be Denzel Bentley, who has spoken about Hamza in the lead-up to this fight, just gone, and Felix Cash. Felix Cash would be the other name who obviously recently pulled out of his fight because he was having some problems outside of the ring with injuries, etc. So... Hamza Sheraz, Felix Cash, Denzel Bentley, the three best middleweights, I would say, at the moment. I'm not even including Chris Eubank Jr. because he flits between the weights so much. But, you know, Hamza Sheraz to me looks like, potentially, skill-wise, on paper, the best of the three. But I would like to see him fight Felix Cash. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there is a lot of um, a lot of raving about this uh, Sheraz. They did speak about it a lot him getting the uh, boxing writers young fire of the year i believe last um, year yeah last year um which is interesting after sort of he is the jez um last year so it, was, so it was 2021 so that would have been after that skate fight as well which i found quite interesting because he did get away with that but um look he's a, he's a young talent um he's definitely one to keep an eye out for uh, maybe believed in his bullshit a little bit and then actually that ski fight taught him a lesson. He definitely got taught a lesson against Torres as well on Saturday, I felt, because I felt like he was in control of that fight. He hurt Torres, puts him down, and then he's trying to go for the kill and then that and ends up getting caught himself. That's another lesson learned. You know, we say after 10 fights, if you can sort of remain undefeated and then when you're moving to that next part of your career from sort of 10 to 15, 15 to 20, they're the times where you need to start um, having these learning experiences where you get fights that probably you've had to adjust slightly where a guy's just too good in uh, some respect even you know Wiley Old Skeet was a fantastic boxer on his day and I feel that you know that just demonstrated that you know if he comes up against someone of that caliber um, sort of a next level of caliber if you like he's going to struggle so that's a great learning curve and obviously just patient being patient you find your guy in trouble you need to find the right openings and don't leave your chin exposed and get caught the way you did 
So look, he's only 23 years of age. You know, he stopped 12 and 16. You're right. I think um, they're the fights you really want to look at is your Denzel Bentleys and uh, your Felix Cashes. And, and Denzel's, you know, he proved himself recently. Um, I think he's probably just a bit further ahead. I mean, Anthony Fowler's knocking around in this division now. So is, is Anthony Fowler a legit uh, middleweight fighter? Because that's a good fight for him to have further on down the line. Liam Williams even. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a young kid. They just He even said himself, he just needs to take it one step at a time. What he needs to really do is establish himself as the best in this division domestically. If once he does that, then he can obviously look to move on. But he's definitely got the potential to do it. It'd be interesting to see how he comes up against guys like Cash, because um, Cash is, although he gets knocked down a few times, he gets he gets back up and wins fights. So he's he's done well himself. I think that's that's for me. That is the fight I would like to see. Yeah, that's a good fight. It's a great fight. In fact, I'd love to see it. I think domestically, that that is the fight I'd like to see him involved in eventually before he moves on and starts looking at you know the bigger fighters of the division. So just moving through the card, then Nick Ball, Dennis McCann, good victories for the pair of them, especially Dennis McCann who was taking that step up against James Beach Jr. And I felt like this was a moment where Dennis McCann has really moved on in his career. People have looked at him and gone, you know, he's only young, he's only like 21 years of age. The guys he's been fighting have, have not been fantastic. And this was really the biggest test of his career, going in with a guy, essentially, who's got a, a, a winning record, you know, compared to some of the other fighters he's been in the ring with in his previous fights. And to be a guy who was a former title challenger for domestic titles, as in... James Beach Jr., I felt like it was a really, really good step up. He had a loss to Brad Foster, he had a loss to Chris Burke, both on points, and they were the only two losses on his record. So there was no shame in them losses for Beach Jr., but for Dennis McCann to come along after not really fighting the same level of calibre and doing what he did in that fight and stopping him in eight rounds and having him down in the first and the eighth and then the corner, obviously throwing the towel in. I just felt like it was a big statement and all the hype around him that they've been putting into him for the last couple of years is starting to come to fruition. But he's still only 21. And that, that's the crazy thing about it. He's, he's had a significant fight at this stage of his career, at this age of his career. Where do you take him now? Because it's it's a, it's a fine line for me. Like He's 21. He's, he's just beaten a proven sort of British title contender. Do you push him forward? at that young age or do you keep him grounded? I mean, uh, Dennis the Menace, is, he's a good, uh, it's obvious Dennis, so I, I did think he's always going to be Menace. I mean, it must have been really easy for him to figure his nickname. Um, I enjoy, look, he's all action, isn't he? He's full of energy. He throws a hell of a lot of punches. I think he needs to learn. Um, I'm not quite sure if, you don't want to step him too far up because, you know, I mean, even, you know, lots of Leapwood, Warrington, you know, they're, they're so far ahead. Even Jazza Dickens, you know, he's been in with some of the best. Um, you, you've got to be careful. I think, you know, he's only, what, 12 fights in, is it? Is, it, is, it, is that his 12th win, was it? No, 13th win, 13th, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, look, he, he's got some time. He's 21. He is a baby. We do like to see these guys being moved on. Under Frank Warren, he's probably under the best person, to be fair, where Frank does take his time with these guys. I think he needs... He needs to just get into, I hate saying the man strength kind of thing. But I mean, look, if you're 21, still able to do it. I mean, we've seen it with, with Haney, like, you know, at 22, 23, the, the, what he's able to do. Um, look, he's not that level, but he's an all-action fighter. I just feel that he, he, he's a bit rushed sometimes. Or they look good in, the, in his victory. I still feel like, you know, against better opponents with a little bit of savviness, you know, they could just sort of step to the side, find a bit of space, and then he can find himself on the spot above her. 
Um, saying that, I mean, I was impressed with him. You can't not be. You know, he's only a young, he's a baby. He really is. He's got so much time on his side and he's, he's doing all the right things. I just think he needs to fight more experienced fighters again, even even another beach junior level, um, maybe step up slightly up, up in level. But other than that, just keep it roughly around that level until at least he gets to sort of another three or four fights to the end of the year. Maybe this time next year, look at then moving him on. Just keep him active, Sean. That's what I'll be saying. Keep him active against fighters of that level, a little bit better, and just try and work on those flaws because someone eventually will work him out. And um, and he need, like, a bit like what we were just saying with uh, Cherez, the same thing where you just want these guys to be able to... Um, have to learn you need to be learning in in certain fights where guys can outbox you and how you adjust yourself to that so he needs those fights um so yeah i'm but i'm impressed with him though sean i really am yeah i'm impressed with him as well i'm really looking forward to seeing where his career does go and hopefully as you said he will get the right fights at the right time of his career and you know by the time he's getting to 24 25 You'd expect him to sort of be pushing at the world title level at that point. So let's just see where he gets to. Uh, great win for Nick Ball as well, as we've mentioned. Not a bad few fights on that card. You know, I say that sort of with a little bit of bit of taste in my mouth because it is a Frank Warren card and there's always, you know, prospect journeyman fights. And, and I think I'm just at that stage of I've seen that many of them now where I kind of just... I know what to expect with them, so I kind of sort of veer away from from watching them until the guys are starting to step up. Uh, and it sounds like really bad of me to do it, but I do because I'm at that point where I'm really interested to see like when guys are in certain fights with certain opponents, where I know there's going to be a bit more of a standard, you know, fight. It's not just going to be journeyman's there to survive and get paid. It's going to be guys that are going to be there to try and hurt the home fighter and show that the home fighter needs to do some things in camp and change some things to be able to move up different levels so yeah admittedly I don't tend to watch any of them earlier fights anymore but there's I know there's a fight that I haven't had chance to watch Johnston admittedly again I've been very very busy as you guys know I had Covid over the course of the past week so I managed to catch as much as I could but I managed to miss one particular fight but I've seen the result and I've seen just like the highlight reels of it and that was uh, the Barboza fight that you mentioned you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, Arnold uh, Barboza Jr. Um, it was his first headliner ever as well so 26 fights in and it was his first ever headliner. Uh, there was a lot of hype around him sort of before the fight they were sort of saying you know he's now ready to make the next step in this division and probably should be looking at he's on the cusp of a world title um they even mentioned uh taylor and catterall etc etc he fought uh zarilla um and i must say zarilla is undefeated and uh he came in and he, he fought really well uh what i liked about zarilla as well was that i mean he showed a lot of uh, heart actually uh but Barboza actually stunned him a few times um you can see he was standing in a few of those rounds but he didn't he wasn't going to go down at all uh, and then he started landing these lovely right hands right over the top, and Barboza was struggling with them. And then, uh, it, as I say, it was a pretty close close enough fight, but Barboza was ahead going into this last round. I had about three, four rounds up, to be fair. But Zarilla, I was impressed with. I felt he stayed in the fight. And then what happened? He catches him with that right hand over the top. And it looked very likely like Arnold Barboza Jr. was going to go down. Um, even looked like he could have stopped, got stopped. If this was going 12 rounds... Barboza Jr. would have been in trouble. Um, so credit to Zarilla as well. I thought he fought well. But um, I think one thing that Arnold Barboza is now sort of, I think his, his opinion of is that 
in actual fact, maybe he's not quite ready. I know he's 30 years of age, but um, he, he, I mean, he thought he was a good fighter, but he's got some adjustments to make, especially if he wants to be fighting even the likes of Ramirez and Zapida and Progray. I think they deal with him. Um, so I wonder if they might have a little rethink about and who their next opponent may be. Uh, but it was a good fight all in all. I enjoyed it. Um, and, and yeah, it was one of a bad night. I just feel that um, his main headline, I feel, you always feel with these guys, they, they make them so great. They make it, it's like they're the best ever already. <laughs> and, and it's not the case. It really isn't. And it does, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it was sort of like, I was intrigued. I've seen him before. I was I was intrigued to see how he got on. And it was, I think he, he's very limited. I don't think he's got, that much ability, but he does. He does some really excellent things as well, where he can shift his his, his weight from one foot to the other, and he, he sort of can drift between different stances all within one movement. So he's got ability. It's just um, I don't know. He switches off for me. But um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it was a fascinating fight. That last round in particular uh, was very interesting. He did hang on in the end. So I'm going to move to the end of the episode now. Just have a little two-minute chat really about Legendary Nights Season 3. As you know, we're plugging the hell out of it on social media and on the episodes because it's been a year since we put the Season 2 out and now Season 3 is here with the third episode in. Third episode's just gone live. The tale of Tyson versus Bruno. And I suppose it's just a bit of a rally cry really for everybody that listens to this podcast and the main feed that if you haven't already heard Legendary Night Season 3 or you haven't had a chance to check it out then please do go and check it out we do release it on its own podcast feed but we do all release, we do also release it on this podcast feed too about 12 hours following the release on the Legendary Nights podcast feed so if you're already subscribed to this one for the mixture of everything that we do put on here then you will get that but it will be 12 hours after the podcast goes live on its own individual feed and obviously for our patrons of the podcast you've had this episode for a couple of weeks now because we give you the first three episodes to legendary night season three as part of being a patron to the btr boxing podcast network so i suppose it's just really letting you guys know again to go and check it out and make sure you listen to them and let us know what your thoughts are on the episode we've had some great feedback so far and i know it's a bit of a trumpet blowing section of the episode but i feel like we've put so much so much time and effort into it as as you know johnston we put so much time into these episodes and there's so much research and detail that go into it that we're always keen to hear what people do genuinely think about it like sometimes when you don't hear nothing you kind of just take it as well people must be enjoying it and then when you do hear the positive stuff it is really really nice and, and you know it genuinely is, is is really humbling for us because we really enjoy putting all this stuff together for you guys listening so if you've not checked it out please do go and check it out and if you've not checked out our patreon membership service please do go and check that out as well yes it is a paid for service yes it means you might have to put a couple of quid out of your pocket every month but do you know what in return we're giving you early access to all our series based content you don't have to listen to any advertisements for any of the episodes across the network if you're a patron and we put an episode out at least one episode a month we put out separately completely separate content from what we put out on the main feed and we've been doing that consistently for over 12 months so there's at least 12 or 13 episodes out there that you haven't heard yet as a listener to this podcast network and by 
putting your hand in your pocket and supporting us, what you're allowing us to do is you're allowing us to outsource some of the work to be done for us. So it's allowing us to spend more time actually recording episodes and creating more content because we're not having to worry about putting artwork together or promotional videos or all the stuff that comes with trying to run a uh, a marginally successful podcast so i suppose it's just like a big thank you to the guys that are already supporting us through the patreon membership service but it's also a bit of a rally cry to the ones that maybe have been listeners to us for such a long time and you know for as minimal as like one pound fifty or i think it's like one dollar seventy five cents you know you'd, you'd be able to support us and all that little bit it helps it really does help us because we're able to outsource and pay for things and it makes the podcast self-sufficient so it's amazing that we're at that point with it so please do go and check us out on patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast network and that is everything we are going to be back later on this week not so much with a big fight preview more of a bit of a roundup of the week with any boxing news uh, there is a fight coming this weekend one Probably the only significant fight of the weekend, which we will talk about in that episode. But we will be back late Thursday evening with that episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.